Ben, thank you very much uh, for that, for the music. Ton tonight has been just outstanding. I appreciate it very, very much. Well, if you want to take your Bible, and for the first time in the series, we're going to turn to Colossians and chapter number one. Colossians chapter number one. And we're going to start our journey tonight through this book of the Bible. Uh, four chapters. So it should, should take us a little less time than the Gospel of Mark. <laughs> um, uh, it, it will. Um, but uh, tonight we're going to just cover the first two verses uh, to get things started. So uh, once you find Colossians chapter 1, if you would join me in standing, if you're physically able to do so, um, for the reading of God's Word tonight, and then we'll uh, pray and be seated and get into our message tonight. Colossians in chapter 1, verses just 1 and 2 tonight, the Bible says this in verse 1, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, we're thankful for the service thus far. I pray that you would uh, bless this time now in your word. I pray that uh, you would help us to uh, focus in on what your word has to say in just these two simple verses. Um, there's much uh, riches here in your word, and I pray that you'd help us to uh, focus in on what you'd have for us tonight and, and help us to not just be good hearers, but then doers of the word as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So our theme for 2022 here at Cornerstone Baptist Church is simply the word continue. And one of the verses that mentions the word continue that we've highlighted a couple times uh, as we've gone through our little mini-series uh, on the word continue is Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, where the Bible says this about the new believers there on the day of Pentecost or after the day of Pentecost when uh, 3,000 uh, souls were saved and then baptized um, what did that, what did those new believers do? Well, in Acts chapter two and verse 42, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Uh, but the first thing they continued in was the apostles doctrine, learning doctrinal truth, uh, getting into the word of God and what it has to say. And as, as I thought about uh, what we would do on Sunday nights in 2022, I thought it would be helpful for us to go through one of the books of the Bible, uh, one of the epistles of the Apostle Paul to learn doctrinal truth, and then as a result of learning doctrinal truth, we're going to also learn practical instruction along the way. And like many of the epistles, as you examine uh, the book of Romans, the book of uh, Ephesians, and and uh, Colossians in particular, um, these books of the Bible and, and, and others as well, uh, typically have the pattern of being doctrinal for the first part of the book, and then the next part of the book is uh, practical living. Um, and uh, that's such, such is the case here in the book of Colossians. The first couple chapters deal with uh, doctrinal truth, and then in chapter number three, we turn a corner, and uh, like we are turning a corner in the book of Mark, we're going to turn a corner when we get to uh, Colossians chapter number three, and it turns to a practical emphasis. Um, but, but first, we need to know doctrinal truth. 
Uh, the book of Romans, most of us are familiar with Romans chapter 12, verse 1, you know, uh, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, and then it goes on into really practical things. Well, the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans is all doctrinal truth, and then it changes to a practical emphasis. Um, and same thing is true here in Colossians, and, and we're going to notice this. So we're going to learn some doctrinal truth, and, and I realize that there's children in here, and, and uh, you know some of it may theologically go over their head, but, but I believe that children can actually absorb quite a bit and understand quite a bit uh, of doctrinal truth. In fact, that's why we've chosen our a particular curriculum that we use on Wednesday nights because it's not just a bunch of Bible stories, though those are great and, and, and helpful and, and we learn a lot from those, uh, but it really just dives into doctrinal truth because we'll, we'll learn here as we go through the book of Colossians, what we believe determines how we behave. As we understand and learn truth, that's going to impact how we live out our lives. And what we believe about the Word of God and, and the things that uh, we know to be true then influence the way we live. If we don't believe in gravity, then we're going to be willing not, we're, we're going to be no big deal to, uh, you know, uh, walk on the edge of a building. That's, and obviously that's a big deal, okay? You don't want to be walking too close to the edge of a building. Um, and and I, I've shared when I went to see the Grand Canyon with my wife for the first time, um, there's that guardrail there, and, and uh, I got close to that guardrail, and there were still probably two or three or four feet um, before the cliff, but I got to that guardrail, and I didn't even want to touch the guardrail. I felt like that was too close, because I understand that gravity is real, and I know that I, I, I don't mind heights, I just don't like falling, so... <laughs> Um, the, the thing is, it's okay, so as we learn doctrinal truth about who Christ is and what he's done for us and, and what he is, uh, after we're saved, where he resides, and once we understand that, that's going to impact the way we live. Uh, now, a little background on the book of Colossians, and I don't want to take a lot of time with this, because I really want to get into these uh, two verses here, but um, I just want to explain a little bit of why this book was written in the first place. Um, it was written to confront dangerous, heretical teaching that had infiltrated and snuck into the church there at Colossae. And uh, this dangerous teaching uh, basically combined Jewish legalism with Greek mysticism. And uh, Paul confronted that by unveiling that Jesus Christ in his headship over all of creation and over all the church. And so we'll, we'll dive into a little bit more of this as we go through the book, um, but this is why uh, the book of Colossians was written. Also, uh, Paul wrote this book to urge this church family to holy living by putting on the indwelling Christ. The book of, the book of Ephesians emphasizes the fact that as believers, we are in Christ. The book of Colossians, Paul emphasizes the fact that Christ is in us, the hope of glory. And so we'll be learning a little bit about these as we go through these verses. Um, and this is the, one interesting fact about the book or the church at Colossae was this was one church that Paul actually never visited personally. If you uh, look at chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 1, he says, For I would that ye knew 
uh, what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. So he said, you've never even seen me in the flesh. You have heard of me, and I've heard of you, but, but we've never had an in-person gathering, uh, COVID and all. No, uh, this is, of course, before the days of COVID, but uh, Paul had never visited this church family, and, uh, and yet he had heard about them, and so uh, that's one interesting fact. Now, uh, he knew the one who likely founded the church at uh, Colossae, and his name is found in verse number 7 of chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, verse 7, uh, was the man by the name of Epaphras. Now, Epaphras was a man that uh, probably the Apostle Paul led to the Lord, and uh, he got saved uh, under the ministry of the Apostle Paul when the Apostle Paul was in Ephesus. And uh, real quickly, if you want to turn back to um, Acts chapter number 19. Acts chapter 19. Is that right? It is right. And then verse number 9. So... It says, when divers were, were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed for them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannius. And then verse 10 says, and this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks, and likely... Uh, this man, Epaphras, was part of this training that took place uh, in Ephesus. And then he went back home to, Colossian, to Colossae and uh, established a church, and maybe uh, multiple churches. Maybe he was even a church planner that kind of said, okay, well, I'm going to start one in Colossae, and then, and then we're going to go to Hierapolis, and then uh, also Laodicea was uh, in that neck of the woods as well. And so... Epaphras went and, and, do, and did that. Um, so that's, that's very likely and very possible. So just a little background on uh, the book of Colossians, and we'll dive much more into this as we go through, and it gets revealed as we go through the letter that Paul wrote to this church family. Uh, but tonight, we're going to just look here at these first two verses and see Paul's greeting to uh, this church family. And uh, it's a pretty typical, when we read through these uh, verses, they, they seem kind of humdrum, and, and uh, let's get into the real meat of it later on. Well, uh, there's actually quite a bit of meat in these two verses, and uh, we'll look at those uh, briefly tonight. First, let's look here tonight at the author, the author. In verse number one, it says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timotheus, our brother. Now, in the New Testament days, it was customary to begin a letter with the name of the writer. Now, typically in our day and age, that's not how we do a letter. Uh, typically, we mention first who it is written to, and then at the end, we would sign our name. For instance, when I give my wife a card for her birthday, for Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, or anniversary, or one of those cards just because cards, um, I usually don't start with uh, this greeting, Eric, comma, your handsome hunk of a husband, unto Julie, my beloved bride. Okay, that's not a typical greeting that I put on there, although it does have a good ring to it, don't, don't you think? I think that really does kind of, th I think I may switch over to that. I, I, I think I like the King James way of doing it. 
uh, especially the handsome hunk part. Um, now, uh, Paul begins each of his letters with his name, Paul, in every letter that he wrote. Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, and Philemon all begin with the same word, the word Paul. And if you look at all of those letters, he begins them the same exact way, Paul. And uh, just to give his readers clarity on who wrote the letter to them. Um, by the way, Peter, James, and Jude all did the same exact thing. They started their letters with their names. Uh, there are two exceptions. Uh, John did not do that in his letters, uh, nor did the writer of Hebrews. And uh, we don't know exactly who the identity of the writer of Hebrews uh, is or was, but, um, but typically uh, in those days, that's how they would do it. Uh, Paul an apostle. So uh, we know that Paul was the human author of this uh, letter to the church at Colossae. Now, um, we know ultimately it was the Lord uh, God who was the overseer, uh, who breathed uh, these words into existence. Uh, they're God-breathed. They're inspired of God. Um, but Paul was the human instrument that God used. He was the holy man of God that God spake uh, through to allow these uh, words of God to come into existence. Now, who was this Paul? Who was Paul? Now, that's obviously a loaded question that would take quite a bit of time to answer thoroughly, and uh, we need to get to some volleyball and some snacks, right? So uh, we don't have time to go into an extensive study of who Paul was. That, that would be a great study to do. Uh, but, uh, but very simply, I, I don't also want to take for granted that everyone here has an understanding of who Paul was. So in a quick nutshell, Paul was not always Paul. You see, his name at first was Saul of Tarsus. And before God changed his name, Saul of Tarsus was a persecutor of Christians who made it his life's mission to destroy the name of Christ and eradicate it from the earth. But one day... As he was on his way to Damascus to do what his life's mission was, to destroy and silence Christians, his life was radically changed when he met the Lord Jesus Christ. And at that moment, God radically changed his life and changed his name from Saul to Paul. And uh, he, uh, he changed his name to Paul and changed his purpose. He went from someone who tried to squash and silence Christianity to someone who tried to spread it. And uh, Paul went on to become the beloved apostle who wrote 13 New Testament epistles and start at least 14 churches in his lifetime and was uh, no doubt among the greatest Christians to have ever lived. Not that he would ever uh, claim that particular uh, that, that particular truth. Uh, I think he often said that he was the chief of sinners. And uh, he hasn't met me yet, so uh, I think I would be the chief of sinners. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, the Apostle Paul was quite a man. So it was Paul who wrote the book of Colossians. And a couple thoughts in, in, in verse number one that I want to point out about the uh, Apostle Paul. First of all, I want us to consider his calling. His calling. He says in verse number one, Paul, 
an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. So Paul mentioned here that he was an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Now, what exactly is an apostle? That's a little harder word to describe than just to know what the fact that Paul wrote this book of the Bible. Uh, what is an apostle? Well, an apostle was one who had been especially sent forth by the Lord Jesus Christ as a messenger. And uh, in order to confirm the message that they preached, apostles were many times given the power to perform miracles. And uh, just a little heads up and a little FYI, there are no apostles in the world today as we have the completed word. We no longer need to confirm the message because it's completed right here in the scriptures. So he was an apostle. Uh, but he traced the fact that he was an apostle and he linked it to the will of God for his life. Um, he didn't pick this calling. God did. Uh, he wasn't necessarily looking to be blinded one day and, and become the, the great apostle Paul who would write a good chunk of the New Testament. Uh, I don't think he ever really woke up one day thinking, okay, this is what's going to happen to me today. No, uh, he didn't pick it, but God did. And, uh, and one thing I appreciate about the apostle Paul is that he was faithful to fulfill his calling. He never quit. And few people ever experienced the type of trials and tribulations and suffering and affliction like the Apostle Paul did. I mean, you read the book of, you, you read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, and he details some of the things that he went through. I mean, being shipwrecked and being left for dead and being uh, whipped and all the things that he dealt with for the faith. It wasn't like he was out robbing banks and uh, going to jail because of it. It was because... He was doing what we're doing tonight. He was preaching and, and, and getting the gospel out into the community and, and really to the world, uh, the known will, world at that time. And he stayed faithful and, uh, and finished his course. And uh, now while God has not called any of us uh, tonight to be apostles, he has called us all as believers to follow him, to know him, and to make him known to those around us. And uh, I want to just encourage all of us, uh, of course, our theme this year is to continue and to be found faithful. Uh, may the Lord help us to be faithful to the calling of God upon each of our lives, uh, to continue. You say, well, I'm just a mom. Well, be faithful in the calling that God has given you to be a mom who raises your children for the honor and glory of God. Say, well, I work a secular job. Amen. God has called you to that at this point of your life to be his witness there in that particular job, not just to earn a paycheck, but to make a difference and an impact, spiritually speaking, in your workplace. May the Lord help us to be faithful to the calling of God upon each of our lives to simply continue. I read about a man by the name of Timothy Stackpole. He was a New York firefighter. And he was severely burned in a 1998 fire and uh, had to go through a lot of surgeries and was in the burn unit for many months before he was able to get back. And, and uh, he was adamant about being there for his family and loving his family, but then also getting back and being a firefighter. 
and and to save lives. And so after he recovered, he returned to the force despite the advice of some friends and family and the fact that he could retire comfortably at that point. He said, no, I'm getting back to it. He was a great firefighter and passionate about his work and was soon promoted to captain. Timothy was one of the firefighters that ran into the second tower on September 11th, 2001, all in order to try to save some people. And when he did, that tower collapsed and took his life. Look, you and I have been rescued from our sin. And may the Lord give us a passion like God gave Timothy here at Stackpole to go and and, and, and yes, love his family, but also go and spend his life trying to rescue others. He did it in a physical sense, but you and I are called to do it in a spiritual sense. Jude said, uh, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. You and I are called to be spiritual firefighters and to be found faithful. Um, and so we see here uh, Paul's calling. And uh, he was called, and he was faithful to his calling. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. But then I also want us to see not only his calling, I want us to see, secondly, his companion. Here in verse number one, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother. Timotheus, or Timothy. Um, I like Timothy, uh, mainly because that's my middle name, literally, you're wondering what my middle name is it's timothy and uh, we wanted to pass that name on and so uh, we didn't want to pass it on to seth we didn't want to pass it on to luke we passed it on to the best one mark so mark has the same middle name as i do uh, but timothy was a, was a special individual in the in the scriptures timothy came from an interesting home he had an interesting home life You consider his parents. His mom was Jewish, and his dad was Greek. And so he was half Jew, half Greek, but uh, as he gets older in life, he becomes 100% Christian. Because, see, his mom and his grandma had gotten saved somewhere along the line, and they imparted the scriptures to him, imparted Christ to him, and Timothy's faith was a testimony to the influence of both a parent and a grandparent. So raise your hand if you're a parent in here. Okay, lots of hands. Raise your hand if you're a grandparent in here. Okay. Here's the deal. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, never underestimate the influence that you can have in the lives of your children and grandchildren. Timothy goes on and is very instrumental in the early church uh, community. I mean, he's involved in several different churches Uh, We have two books of the Bible that Paul wrote to him. Timothy was very instrumental. And uh, you say, he came from kind of a, you know, not the best home home environment. Uh, That probably was true. But his parents, or his mom and his dad, I'm sorry, his mom and his grandma invested in his life and taught him the scriptures and made sure he understood the truths of the word of God. And they also exhibited a genuine Christian life. Paul referenced their unfeigned faith that he knew was also in Timothy. 
So it was not just the words that they spoke, but it was the, the, the life that they lived that was actually, uh, that spoke much louder than their words. And so here Timothy is mentioned in uh, verse number one, okay? Um, why was he mentioned here in verse number one? Well, simply put, evidently, Timothy was with Paul when he wrote this book, and Paul uh, referred to him in this verse, and Timotheus, our brother. Paul referred to Timothy as his son in the faith in uh, uh, 1 Timothy, but here he calls him our brother. And, and he does so to show how close Paul was to Timothy and to show that the ground is level at the cross. There's no hierarchy among believers. There's not a believer in here that's more important to God than anyone else. You say, well, what about the deacons? Aren't they pretty special? The office is pretty special, but they're still our brother in Christ. What about the pastor's wife? Isn't she? She's just our sister. What about the pastor? I'm just your brother. The ground is level. We're just brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and, and Paul was illustrating that here by saying, hey, and Timotheus, our brother. He, he's my brother and he's with me. And uh, I'm thankful for the fact that uh, the ground is level at the cross and there's no, just because I'm a, an apostle doesn't mean that, you know, I'm somewhere way up here. No, in fact, Paul many times uh, lowered himself and, and uh, he had a tremendous humility, Paul did. So we see here his companion. And while Paul was an apostle in the family of God, we are all brothers and sisters in the Lord, and I'm thankful for that. And so we see here uh, the author, and uh, important to understand who's writing this. But then notice second here, the audience. Who is Paul writing to specifically? And, and we know the church at Colossae, obviously, uh, the, the church family there um, in, that uh, resided in Colossae. But he, he mentions a couple things about them in verse number two that I want to point out. He says, I'm writing to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. Uh, let's notice, first of all, their promotion. See, these people had evidently, somewhere along the line, believed on Christ and were part of God's family. And he calls them two different, he gives them two different titles here in verse number two. He calls them saints and he calls them faithful brethren. And so we see their promotion. Now the word saints, uh, saint means that you are, we, we get this idea, okay, take out the New Orleans saints, okay, we, we don't need to think of them at all. Uh, at, at all at a time like this. Um, but uh, saints, that, that word saint, we get a negative or an a, a inaccurate view of that because of the influence of the Catholic Church. Uh, the Catholic Church uh, has made sainthood kind of like this, this milestone that, that only certain people can reach. You have to be really good and then you become a saint. Uh, you have to be nearly perfect, and then maybe the church will make you a saint. No, that's not the way it works. See, a saint simply means uh, that you are separated unto God from the world. It does not mean that you are sinless or perfect, and uh, it's a status that each and every believer has. So the moment that you and I accepted Christ as our Savior was the same moment that we became a saint. 
So I have, we have here uh, tonight, we have St. Chuck. We have St. Luke. St. Jacob. We even have St. Faith and St. Julie and St. Zach. And I could go and, and all of us are saints. So uh, next time, you know, I, you see me, you can say, I, I say, hey, brother, you say, no, actually, it's uh, St. It's saint to you, okay? <laughs> no, that's, it really just gives us this, the fact that we now have a relationship with God. And it, and it points to uh, our relationship with the Lord. Um, there are really two classes of humanity, the saints and the sinners. Or as J. Vernon McGee liked to say, the saints and the ain'ts. He says, if you ain't a saint, then you're an ain't. And I want to be a saint, don't you? I don't want to be an ain't. Uh, I want to be part of God's family. And so he mentions them as saints. Uh, but then he also mentions them as faithful brethren. And see, they were not just promoted to the a relationship with God, but they were also promoted to the family of God. And so he calls them brethren. Um, now, he could have just simply said, to the saints and brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, but he put that word faithful in there. And uh, again, I'm reminded of our theme for 2022, continue, faithful brethren. As the Lord looks at Cornerstone Baptist Church, may he not just see saints and brethren, may he see saints and faithful brethren at Cornerstone Baptist Church that we would be found faithful serving the Lord and always abounding in the work of the Lord, being steadfast, unmovable. May the Lord help us to be found faithful, brethren and faithful, sistren. Um, I think that's a word in the Bible, I'm not sure. But brothers and sisters who are faithful, uh, serving the Lord and, doing, and, and, and following Christ. So these people had been promoted because of their faith in Christ, to sainthood. And guess what? You and I, the moment we uh, believed on Christ, we were promoted to, to sainthood. Uh, God made us, uh, Christ made us saints uh, through his sacrifice. And then uh, we were also promoted to the fact that we are now part of a wonderful church family, a wonderful family of God. We now have brothers and sisters in Christ. As I mentioned earlier, Miss Teresa, you've got a uh, good family member right there, but you also have a lot of family members right in here. Uh, we're, we're, we're one big happy family, and we need to be one big happy family, not one big divided family. Uh, we need to be uh, brothers and sisters who get along with one another. So their promotion, but then notice, uh, secondly here, their position. So to the saints and faithful brethren, and these two words are important here, in Christ. See, as a result of their faith, in Christ, their possession was exactly there, in Christ. The moment that you and I believed on Christ, we were made saints. We were made to be brothers with our fellow believers. But we were also placed in Christ. And then we'll learn later in this book that Christ is in us. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So at the moment of your salvation, you were placed in Christ and he was placed in you. Mind-boggling, but accurate and precious to know that I am in him and he is in me. So their position. But then 
Thirdly, notice their place. <coughs> Excuse me. In verse number two, it says again, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. They were in Christ, but they were at Colossae. Now, Colossae, um, there's uh, several things that I would encourage you to, to look up later regarding the, uh, the city named Colossae. It's, it it uh, actually ceased to exist around 400 A.D. after a couple different earthquakes that uh, really kind of tore everything down, and they tried to rebuild, and then after the second one, it was like, you know what? This is just, it's not the same, and, and Colossae kind of faded away and uh, dissolved as a city. Um, but at one time, it, was, it wasn't a very large city, uh, but it, it, was, it was influential. Um, but here's, here's, the, here's the point I kind of want to make here, is these, these believers were here in this particular town uh, at that particular time. Now, each of us is placed by God in the time and place we are in for such a time as this, like the story of Esther. Remember, she was placed there and she said, hey, for such a time as this, God has placed me here to make a difference uh, for the Lord. And God did use her to make a great difference for the Lord. God has placed you here in Moore or Blanchard or Tuttle or... Uh, Midwest City, or wherever your town is at this particular point in time for such a time as this. God could have placed you in Wyoming. God could have placed you in Louisiana or California or Iraq or Lithuania, but instead he chose to place you here in Oklahoma for a reason. He has you here right now in this point in history, in this particular location to make a difference. Don't waste it. You're not here just, again, as I mentioned this morning, to go and uh, just enjoy the benefits of living in Oklahoma. I mean, having exciting weather happen here. That's one benefit. Uh, we didn't have that in, in, in Montana or even in California. Uh, we never really had to pay attention to the weather app. I think we had one on our phone, but we never looked at it because it was 70 degrees, like 360 days a year. But here, I have like five weather apps. You may even have more. And, and what we do for entertainment here in Oakland, we watch the weather. And, and we all have our favorite weather guy. You know, people in California choose football teams. We have favorite Weather channels, like I'm a fan of this guy. Um, look, we're not here just to enjoy the bennies of being in Oklahoma, and there are plenty. There's political benefits of living here. Uh, there's a cost of living benefits of living here. But God has placed you here to make a difference to the people that God puts into your life while you're here. And and. And he's writing to these people in Colossae and saying, hey, don't forget where you are and the fact that God wants you to make a difference where you are right now. And so we see the audience here. But then thirdly and very quickly, let's look at the aim. The aim. Is anyone else warm in here again? Okay. So it, it, it's going, but uh, we're, we're about done. So if we could stay with me for just a couple more minutes here. The aim. In verse number two, 
uh, we see Paul's desire or his aim for the people of Colossae, those believers there in that church. Verse 2, it says, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is such a typical uh, verbiage of the Apostle Paul to a church. In, in his letters, he used this uh, very often, these types of words in this type of way. But I, I don't want to just skip past it. I want to take a moment and look at these very quickly and, and look, number one, here at the significance of the words. Uh, there's two major words here that I want to look at, and that is the word grace and the word peace. Both are significant. Uh, what does the word grace mean? Grace basically means unmerited blessing of God in Christ. Remember the difference between grace versus mercy? Uh, mercy means not getting consequences or punishment that I deserve. Uh, when our children uh, disobey, or maybe I could even do it like this, when I was a child and I disobeyed, uh, that may have happened once or twice, an hour. Uh, <laughs> um, when, when that happened and my parents chose to not punish me, that was them showing me mercy. And when they showed me grace, it was they gave me something good that I did not deserve. They said, hey, uh, we know you don't deserve this, but we're going to go take you to McDonald's and we're going to get you an ice cream cone. That's grace. Um, if the ice cream machines are working, uh, of course. Um, but Here's the thing, uh, when it comes to God's grace and God's mercy, God showed great mercy by not eradicating us and incinerating us for our sin right here, right now. We all deserve to uh, be incinerated and to be consumed. As uh, Jeremiah said in Lamentations, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. But God's grace is that not only do we not have to experience the, uh, the eternal payment of our sin in a place called hell, but we also now get to have the grace of God, which is an eternal place called heaven for all of eternity. So not only do we not have to deal with the consequences of our sin, but we get uh, the glories of heaven for us. That's God's grace. Uh, somebody used the word grace as an acrostic, G-R-A-C-E, and that stands for, if you'd like to write this down, God's riches at Christ's expense. Because that is totally God's grace. God wants to give us richly, and the reason he was able to do that is because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Paul said it in uh, Corinthians. He said, uh, well, let me see if I can find it really, really fast. 2 Corinthians, I think, verses, yeah, verse 9 of, of chapter 8, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. That's grace. That's grace. And so we see that God, uh, that uh, Paul desired and aimed that this church family would understand and appreciate uh, and be thankful for God's grace. But then also he uses the word peace in verse number two. Grace be unto you and peace. A peace. Peace with God. 
What kind of peace? Peace with God, peace, the peace of God, and peace with others. And we took some time as we went through the names of Christmas just a couple, just a month or so ago. Um, as we walked through that series, we spent some time talking about one of the names of Jesus being the Prince of Peace, and we spent some time talking about these. But just to refresh our memory, uh, Romans 5.1 talks about peace with God. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because see, apart from Christ, we are enemies of God. There is this uh, wall of partition between us, but, but Christ and what he did for us broke down that wall of partition, and now we have peace, and we can have peace with God. And then there's peace, the peace of God. This is the peace in our soul that no matter what we go through, we can have peace in our lives. John 16, refers to this when Jesus says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. He said, In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So it's not a promise that we would not in deal with difficulty and trials and tribulations, but um, it's a promise that we would have peace in the midst of the trials and tribulations. And uh, so uh, Paul was promising and, or wishing and desiring and aiming that this church would have the peace uh, with God, the peace of God, and then peace with others. Um, because we are in Christ, now we have a new nature, and now we should have a new desire in our lives to live peaceably with all men. Romans 12, 18, Paul says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Um, there should be a desire to do that. So we see the significance of the words, and then uh, lastly here, the sequence of the words. And notice here, as Paul says, grace be unto you in peace. By the way, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, we can't have grace without God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, and we can't have peace without God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But he mentions first grace, and then he mentions secondly peace. If God had not shown us his grace we would still be in our sin. But because he acted in love and grace by sending his son to die for our sins, we now can have peace with God, we can have peace with man, and the peace of God in our souls. So the sequence of those words is significant as well as the meaning of the words. Uh, he puts them in, order, in that order on purpose. And so tonight, as we looked at Paul's greeting, I hope something said was an encouragement, a help, a challenge to us. If nothing else, to be faithful brethren and sisterin here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the time to examine just these first two verses. And while they usually get read very quickly in our Bible reading, Lord, there really is a lot of meat in this short little passage. Um, but Lord, as Paul referred to the, these believers as saints and faithful brethren, Lord, I pray that you would help us as believers in Christ at Cleveland County or whatever county we live in here in Oklahoma to be faithful brethren and faithful sistren. Help us, Lord, uh, to be found faithful this year. And uh, Lord, I, we look forward to learning more as we go through this series. Um, but until we get to those things, help us, Lord, to focus on being found faithful. Help us to be faithful this week. Uh, spending time with you and in, in, in the word of God. Help us to be found faithful this week, getting the gospel out to those 
who we are, uh, who cross our paths. Lord, help us to make a difference in this time and in this place that you've placed us. And we'll thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, let's uh, just sing.